0: It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and profuse apologies for being missing in action last week. I hope you didn't miss me too much and had a great long bank holiday weekend. I certainly had a fantastic one, which is why I wasn't here last Tuesday. Sorry again. And no doubt, since I last spoke to you, many of you have been out and about supporting local hospitality businesses. It is wonderful to see the country opening up, and there's certainly a buzz in the air And on the air tonight. Do you like what I did there? I have two super guests for you. First up, I'm talking to food writer and food events creative Ali Dunworth, who has West Limerick connections as her parents are both from the area. And we'll also be hearing from 28 year old entrepreneur Fergus Halpin, founder of Harvest Day, a mission driven startup which has enjoyed rapid growth since its inception during lockdown last year. But before we talk to Ali, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at the best possible taste. As usual, you can make contact by emailing me, s.noonan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So Ali Dunworth began her career working behind the scenes in food TV in the UK on shows like Saturday Kitchen the Great British Menu and Nigella Lawson series, as well as working in various London restaurants. She returned to Ireland a few years ago and since then she has worked as a food producer on RTE's What Are You Eating? She's a regular contributor to McKenna's Guides and Image.ie and she also curates and promotes various food events. I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago to find out about her latest project which involves pop-up Outdoor dining. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Ali, you're very welcome to the show. It's great to catch up with you. It's a long time since we've last spoken. I think the last time was when you were in West Limerick during the opening season last year with your mother. We had a lovely night in the mustard seed.
1: Yeah, for the pig town dinner. That's right. So it must have been September. probably the last hotel stay, like a getaway that we had. So hopefully they'll be back soon, back to the mustard seed, seed one day soon.
0: And tell me, what have you been up to since I last saw you?
1: Been very quiet, like everybody, been at home, which is my at the moment, um, and been working, working away, um, kind of cautiously planning things for the summer. And now the Summer is here. So things are starting to happen. Like it's exciting to see like um, the hotels opened yet, yeah, you know, this week and then next week, um, outdoor dining, which is going to be great. And yeah, then what I've been working on is an outdoor dining project.
0: Well before we come to that I want to say that you have been very supportive of the hospitality and the food and drink industry during the lockdown you're you're very active on social media and sharing lots of the different experiences the dine at home experiences that you've had over the past 12 months is there any one dine at home experience that has really stood out for you
1: I've had many and and luckily I'm outside Dublin but I'm still in the catchment area for a lot of them so I kind of had a bit of an advantage Um, but then there was a few that I missed out on as well but and many of them I ordered myself lots of people were generous and sent like press samples as well so I've been eating very well for someone who has just been stuck at home Um, but some of the ones I ordered many times was Box, which I think was really successful and first off the bat and that was just great value and you always it was always something different in that. I did the I'm Share experience for, I had a birthday in lockdown so I ordered that. That was exceptional. We spent the whole day prepping and you get videos and there's not much work involved but there's a lot of detail and organization and we sort of took our time with that and matched wines with it. And then there's just been some really fun ones. Like Mr. S was one I ordered loads of times as well because they were great value. And again, they were offering something different all the time. Um, and Quanji Chan, I don't know if you came across his. He started Quanji um, at home, I think he called them. but rice dumpling kits. They were really fun. Um, there, oh, one of the ones that I absolutely adored was Big Fan Bao, which is a new bao restaurant on a um, Camden Street and I think they opened like I've never been there so that was something I'd eaten that I didn't know anything about them and that was really gorgeous like fluffy kind of Asian bow and like different fillings to put inside so so many of them were inventive and fun and just well thought through and it was such a nice change I'm sure you're the same for cooking for yourself I just didn't want to cook every day it was nice to have something that was a little bit different.
0: And tell me, do you think the dying at home kits are going to disappear completely now that hospitality is starting to open up again?
1: Yeah, some of them definitely will. I mean, they the ones that were really good, you can tell it would have been really difficult for people to make money on them because... The detail, the level of detail, the level of logistics and planning. And I worked with a few people on setting some of them up. And I know firsthand what a nightmare the logistics can be. And recounting everything and labeling everything and the expense of all that. A lot of people overnight, a lot of chefs had to become um, social media experts to sell them. They had to become logistic experts to put them together. And they were usually working with a skeleton team. So I think all those, a lot of them on the surface seemed really successful because you saw them everywhere and everybody was eating them. I can't believe that they were huge money earners. So if you were opening your restaurant, I imagine you'd be putting your full focus on now your customers coming back in. Um, But I do think a few of them will stick around, like stuff like the Bujo burger kit. I ordered that a good few times as well. And Bujo is a burger restaurant. They did that really early off the bat. And it just, it's great value. I think it's like 40 euros. You get like eight burgers in it and it works really well. And it makes sense for them to have that as a sideline. Or I know the Dough Bros set up their pizza kits and they did loads of collaborations and they sold out every time they did a collaboration. I had the one they did with Kai, it was amazing. And I know that something like that would be they'll keep something like that on because it makes sense for maybe burgers and pizzas before the more complicated stuff like I don't think I'm sure we'll do that again they might continue their picnic boxes um, you know Mr S is a small restaurant I don't know if you'd have the space to still prepare boxes so time will tell but I'd say most of them will be gone
0: Well, putting my marketing hat on, it was a great way for lots of them to raise their profile and and raise brand awareness all over the country so that whenever people can travel completely freely and and go to different places, hopefully then they will go and visit said restaurants that they maybe enjoyed a dine-at-home experience from.
1: It was, but it was risky. Like, it was really risky for the restaurants to do it, so I kind of commend anyone who did it because they're so used to part of the experience being their restaurant and they're in control. And then they just send stuff out and hope that people will uh, interpret their directions correctly. And that's why so many people started doing videos and stuff like that. It is hard to send your restaurant out to someone's home and then you hope that they have a good experience. So I think it was a good idea, but for the people that it worked for, it really worked, which is great.
0: Well, tell us about this latest project that you're involved in with Roe & Co. Firstly, explain what Roe & Co is.
1: So Roe & Co is a whiskey distillery that is part of the Diageo family. It's in Dublin 8, the Liberties. And if you know where Guinness is, it's directly across the road. And it's this beautiful um, red brick building. And they have been, like, they've been there for a good few years now um, doing their own um, Irish whiskey um, in the distillery there. And in normal circumstances, they would do tours and they have a beautiful bar in there. And they have a beautiful shop and they have every kind of cocktail equipment. And they've done loads of collaborations with um, Irish businesses like Jill and Jill, who are jumper designers, they've done Row & Co collabs with them and they're always really supportive of Irish designers and artists Um, so I've been a fan of Row & Co and been into the distillery and the shop quite a lot and actually they started kind of cocktail kits during lockdown as well so I think they had a bit of awareness there which was great but basically last summer when there was the shutdown, they have a beautiful outdoor space and they obviously couldn't open as a cocktail experience as a bar. So they offered the space up to local businesses to take the space. So um, Variety Jones, they're just down the road at Thomas Street. They came in and took over for a pop-up and they just gave them the space. And um, Variety Jones ran the food side of it, the restaurant side of it themselves. They had nice Sabangi in and I think a few other people. And it went really well and they were really happy to give the space to local businesses, um, like it benefited them because they had people in the bar, um, and they really want, um, to work on people drinking whiskey more with food and food matching. So it was great experience for them to have say variety Jones in there and match drinks to their menu. So this year they decided they would do it again and for the whole summer. So I came on board to help them book the restaurants and sort of curate the, um, Curate the season of eating um and i have worked with Diageo before on lots of stuff across the road in open gate Um, open gate is like their experimental brewery so i've done events with them there and we've done um we did like a winter festival there so i know the team well and i know they are into supporting the local businesses and lesser known chefs so that's why i was really excited to come on board so we said who would we ask what would we do originally we didn't think indoor dining would happen so early so the original idea was the restaurants who can't open to offer them the space and people who didn't have outdoor dining spaces so but then that july date started to be floated and we were like okay actually everyone's going to open up again are we even going to have enough people that will want to come in and cook or will everyone just be concentrating on their kitchens so we started to look at other businesses that we thought would be work really well with the whiskey but would also really benefit from having the space so that's how we ended up with the list of restaurants
0: and tell us about who you're collaborating with
1: We released the first two residencies last week. So Spitterfields is first up and they're just around the corner in the Coombe. So they're a local Dublin 8 restaurant. They opened like, they're not even open two years. And for a significant amount of that time, they've been closed because of COVID. So they are a pub space. They don't have any outdoors, so they couldn't reopen. So they were someone we were like, it would be great to give them the space. I adore. Stephen McAllister's food and I've eaten there lots and Deca Maxwell is the front of house there who I think everyone in hospitality in our world knows and adores so we thought they'd be a really great um, option to get on board and they were keen because they're understandably they were nervous about when they'd be able to reopen so they said this would be a good opportunity and they had done a very successful batch of um picnic boxes last year um But they hadn't continued with the kind of at-home kits. Um, But they had great success with them. So I thought, let's do that picnic version here. So they've come up with a gorgeous tasting menu. Everyone will do a tasting menu. The menus will cost like €40 per person. And everyone's doing between four or five courses. And we kind of wanted a representation of what they do in their restaurants, But equally, we asked everybody to have fun um, because... I think people are going back out there now for experiences. No one's been out in ages. They want to have relaxed bit of crack. It's not really about having uh, this meal that's going to blow you away technically or anything. Plus, the chefs are just cooking out of an airstream. Uh, so it's tiny. So they're very limited to what they can do. So Spiderfield is going to do a sort of picnic-inspired um, pub food menu, and that's going to be matched to drinks. Um, I'm really excited about that menu, and I'm booked to go next week. We still have spaces um, for both of the first two ones. So we have Spitafiel's and Pickle. They're like pretty much they're fullish on the Fridays and the Saturdays, but there's still loads of availability on Thursday and Sunday um, for anybody who does want to book. Um, and it's all done like online, so it's I think everyone's used to that now, booking online and just. Um, getting it into the diary, so hopefully it all works out. But the what after that then, Pickle, that's really popular as well. So Pickle will be the two weeks after that. So Spiderfield starts the 10th of June for two weekends. So it's Thursday to Sunday. And then Pickle will be the 24th of June for two weekends. Again, Thursday to Sunday. And Pickle is a restaurant that is local as well, just down the road in Camden Street. And again, they don't have any outdoor space. So this was an opportunity for them to get cooking again. that They have been do at home a takeaway, but um, just to be serving customers again before they open. So their food, I'm sure you've been to Pickle or you know Sunil. Um, Sunil Guy is the oh, chef proprietor there. And he's very well known. Anyone who loves food has probably been to Pickle in Dublin. And his sort of um, regional indian cuisine so it's not the typical stuff we'd be used to seeing in indian restaurants in ireland um his goat curry is really famous and uh, he serves it on toast it's just like a little bit spiced beautiful he'll be doing that along with some of the other gorgeous street food snacks that they serve in the restaurants so i know that's going to be brilliant because that will also pair so well with the cocktails Colin, who is the manager of Roaco and working on the cocktail matching, was so excited to go to Pickle and smell and taste the spices that Sunil is working with, and then he'll make some cocktails to pair with that. So everyone, when you come for dinner, it's 40 euros for the set menu, and then you can have matching cocktails for 30 euros, and they'll all be curated for each menu. So every time you come it'll be a different cocktail matching. And then, after the first two, which is Spidefields and Pickle, we have four more, um, really exciting. So, Bahe is um, a guy called Richie Castillo, and he has been cooking in Dublin, in like, in Dublin 8, in Bastable and Club Russell House. And he's branched out on his own now with a Filipino pop-up that he's working on. And his mother was um, Filipino, so he's learned flavors and his tastes and everything from her. So. That's going to be an amazing menu and I know there's much excitement about that in the kind of food circles because I certainly haven't tasted anything like that in Dublin. And then we've got Night Market who are down the road in Ranala. I Yeah, a bit selfish of me, I went to Thailand before the lockdown um, last year and just loved the street food and when I came back Night Market was somewhere I made a beeline for And I hadn't tried stuff that was so authentic and tasty and exciting and again they just stood out as someone whose food was going to pair so well with cocktails and the cocktail team were really excited to work with this sort of Thai spices.
0: And there's the West Limerick connection there.
1: Yes of course Connor is from Kildaimo isn't he? Yeah that's right. So I you know I have soft spot for Limerick so we're always trying to bring the Limerick family into it so yeah Connor and his wife Orr who's from um, Thailand they own the restaurant together and like the, most of their kitchen team is um, are, most, most of their kitchen team are Thai cooks so it's brilliant it's going to be proper tasty good flavours and then the next one we have is Matsu Ramen which uh, Ken Konmatsu he was the head chef at um, Dylan McGrath's Japanese restaurant, and he's branched out in his own now with a ramen truck, but he's also a uh, sushi expert and is going to just do an incredible, like really authentic uh, Japanese menu, which is going to have some sushi in it and some ramen. So it'll be really nice. Again, great one to match with the cocktails. And then we're going to finish with Lil Porty, who is just one of kind of the favorite and original pop-up restaurants in Dublin. Uh, Nico Reynolds, he's from Sandy Sandymount, but he cooks Caribbean, um, South American flavors, and that's just, again, the stuff to go with cocktails would be amazing, and his food is always really tasty. He's run a pop-up for the last few years in a kitchen in Rathmines, um, so it's exciting to have him cooking again, so he just needed a space, so it worked out perfectly. Um, And that's it. And then hopefully that brings us up until the end of August. And I have a little lineup of other people who maybe we couldn't confirm dates with that we'd like to go on and hopefully book. But I want to keep on finding, I suppose, not the obvious names and not the obvious um, tastes that we're used to and keep on booking them in, hopefully.
0: It sounds absolutely fabulous. And if people want to book or get more information, where's the best place for them to go?
1: So if you just go to it's um, that's the Row & Co website, and you can book directly through there, or indeed go on to the Row & Co socials, you can you'd be brought to the website. But that's, yeah, you book everything through Row & Co, not through the restaurants, because we have like six lined up, so it's easier to streamline everything in one go. But the great thing about these, and why I was delighted to be involved, is that the food element is going directly to the restaurant. So Ro Co are giving the restaurant the space and supporting them by setting up the event and selling the event and promoting the event. But when the restaurant is there, when you're going in and paying for your food, that's going directly to the restaurant. That's not like for Ro Co. So it's really nice to, like it's a great opportunity for them to reach new audiences and hopefully to make a bit of money.
0: Fantastic. And great to see the collaboration between different sectors of the hospitality industry. So thank you so much for telling us all about it. Best of luck with it and happy eating. Thank you. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. back to the Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we heard from food writer and events creative Ali Dunworth who has been busy planning some fantastic pop-up dining outside experiences in Dublin and be sure to follow Ali on Instagram at Ali Dunworth to keep up to date with all of her interesting and very exciting projects. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that you might want to catch the Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on my website sharonnoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Next tonight we're going to turn our attention to a nationwide home delivery vegetable box service thanks to 28 year old entrepreneur Fergus Halpin. Fergus is the founder of Harvest Day, a mission driven startup. It describes its service as the next best thing to shopping at the farmer's gate. So let's find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy.
2: Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm.
0: Fergus, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks so much for taking the Zoom call today. I am particularly excited about your story because of my own personal family background harvest day it's a vegetable box delivery service tell us how it all came about
2: yeah thanks for it thanks for having me um it all came about so basically covid brought me back to ireland and um, i i spent a couple of years living over in australia and was was traveling um during kind of when covid was starting to to rear its head and then once once ireland was was going into lockdown i decided it was probably time to to head back and i knew i wanted to to do something and i knew i wanted to to start something and and most likely something in the food space and and i guess given what i'd been doing in australia and and my interests this this kind of made sense and and starting something where i could where i could source direct from from irish farms interact with with irish farmers on on a daily basis and and get their produce into into people's homes and made a lot of
0: sense so let's go back to your your teenage years and your formative years did you grow up in a family where they were self-employed or they were involved in the food industry
2: um, like early on, not necessarily, but my mom was always like, food was always very important in our house and she is a fantastic cook and still is a fantastic cook. And so food is always very important. Um, and it wasn't probably until, till college that I started to have that, I guess that entrepreneurial itch. Um, and around that time, my mom did start up her own business um called ladies handmade foods. Um, so that, that was probably my first foray into, I guess, understanding what, what entrepreneurship was and understanding what it was like to to own your own business
0: and whenever you were 19 you actually worked in the industry that you find yourself in now
2: yeah I that was a that was a strange little time but during college we there was a, a company that they were I think they're basically the first guys doing um doing fruit and veg deliveries to homes in Dublin so they used to source they they'd, they'd sourced directly from the Smithfield market which which unfortunately is closed now but that used to be kind of the main trading place for for fruit and veg so they'd source direct from there pack boxes back in a warehouse in blackrock and then deliver it all across dublin so um myself and what turned out to be a group of 10 or 12 friends all worked for them doing door to door sales helping them acquire customers we then graduated on to making boxes and eventually graduated on to to delivering those boxes so Throughout college, I spent nearly two years on and off, um, kind of understanding that space, and that was very, very, very early. Like very little technology. We were knocking on people's doors trying to sell them veg boxes. No Facebook marketing, no Instagram marketing. Um, but that, yeah, that was kind of my my initial introduction to the world of, of fruit and veg.
0: And tell me about your college education then, because that has has had a lot of bearing on what you're doing now as well.
2: Yeah, well, co- college was, the undergrad was marketing and, or was, sorry, was politics and, and international relations. And then I, I decided that I had, I guess, a keen interest in business. I went on to do um, a master's in marketing in, in Smurfish, And that, yeah, that that that, that was a very much a transition course, which was great for me. Um, but that kind of, once I finished that, I knew that I, I wanted to find myself, um, I guess, quote unquote, in the business world of, of, of some sort.
0: And you went to Australia at that stage?
2: Yeah, so I spent one year working in a company called Qualtrics in a like a kind of heavy tech sales role where you're doing fifty cold calls a day, fifty emails a day, and I did that for for just over a year, and then got itchy feet. And just, I, I, I'm a surfer at heart. That's I've grown up surfing, so Australia was a was a natural, a natural destination for me. And um, so yeah, made the made the leap after uh, one year after finishing my, my masters.
0: Tell me how it all came together then. You have this background in entrepreneurship from your mother's business. You have the experience working for the the first company that did the vegetable box deliveries in and around Dublin. You spent time in Australia. Your your obviously your education side of things as well. So this all culminated last year and you came up with the idea of harvest day so in order to get the business up and running there must have been lots of different things that you had to do research you obviously had to identify suppliers and you wanted the business to be of a certain standard and quality so just talk us through how you came up with the idea and how you brought it to life.
2: Sure so the, the I guess the online space and the online subscription space specifically is something I spent a lot of time working in, in in Australia so I I understood that that space pretty well and understood how to get produce from A to B and get, get it into people's homes and then also how to sell that to people um, and then the other part of it was obviously the farmer piece and that that is something that over the last few years I found myself getting more and more interested in like I'd, I'd be sitting at home for two or three hours watching videos on youtube on how to start a no-till market garden and do all, all those things so so it those two kind of mashed together is how harvest day started i knew i if i was going to start something it was going to be online it was going to be most likely subscription and um, and i guess the passion for for wanting to speak or wanting to deal with with irish farmers my, my, one of my original plans is actually to start a market garden of my own. Um, while I was sitting in, in quarantine at home after just getting back, I was thinking about that, but that was just unfeasible at the time. Um, so yeah, the next best thing was, was, okay, well, what about if, if, if I start connecting with, with Irish farmers, and um, and try to get their, their produce into people's homes? Um, like I noticed the supermarkets didn't have local organic Irish produce, um, and after a couple hours of, of research on Instagram, I realized that there was this network of farmers all over the country, but for someone living um, not close to them, it, it wasn't really possible to, to get their produce. Um, and also, I guess that that transparency piece, I, I saw that there was... I guess a bit of a, a gap in the market, I think. I think Ireland has, has great producers, but there's I guess there's a lack of transparency sometimes in, in the fresh produce space. Because if you're making a jam or making a chutney, your, your brand is on it, your label's on it. Whereas I think for a lot of people, a cucumber is a cucumber, a courgette is a courgette. And um, yeah, there's a whole story to be told about how that cucumber was grown and who grew it and where it was grown and how it was grown. Um, and I kind of noticed that that nobody was was really doing that, um, and that as I said, there was this network of of farmers that had produce, and I believed that there were customers out there who would, if they could, would want to buy that produce.
0: Before we talk a bit more about the specific farmers, I think it's worth elaborating on the subscription concept because I do believe it is relatively new to Ireland, and people yeah. sometimes think. If they're on a subscription well you know every month so much money comes out of their account and they've, they've no control over it and with food for example it's something I've seen pop up more and more for example chocolatiers would be having subscription services where you get lots of different you don't know what's coming every month which is lovely but it's always chocolate which is great uh, yeah. neighborhood for example operates a subscription service as well and i think it's a great way to encourage customer retention and customer engagement so just explain how your subscription service works
2: sure so we offer what, what we call a flexible subscription so like there's no contracts no payment in advance you're, you're not locked into anything and um, it's not like you. When you sign up, you need to get x number of boxes before you can get out. So, um, we all we ask is that if you. So we have we have skip functionality, we have pause functionality, and we have cancel functionality. So if you want to skip your delivery, you log on to your Harvest Day account and you skip the box for next week. You might, for example, we have people skipping this week because they know they're going to be away on the weekend for the public holiday. It's as easy as a click of a button, and um, you can pause your subscription if you're going away for. Five weeks, um, and then you can also cancel it at any time. Um, All we ask is that you you do it before our order cutoff, which is eight AM on a Tuesday morning. We'll then tally our orders with with the farm for the farmers and and send them out their produce orders. So, but it's it's I think for something for something like food and and something like fresh produce, which you are going to buy every week, and if if you have to remember to order it every week, then you forget, and then you end up going back to the supermarket, which is something that you. But, but at least the assumption we have is if people are buying our box because they want to support Irish farmers, they want to support local farmers. Um, whereas if you forget to order, then um, you find yourself back at the supermarket. So by offering a flexible subscription, I guess it gives people the confidence in subscribing because it's flexible and they're not locked in, but also it, it means that they, they're guaranteed their food every week.
0: And the the products, the produce that goes into the box, is it all mm. Irish and is it all organic?
2: So it's all Irish. And then we, we have to, we have our certified organic produce. And then we also have produce which we call naturally grown, which is smaller farms who may have decided to not go down the certified organic route, um, but are growing without chemicals or pesticides. They're still buying organic seed, um, but they they don't see the need to 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 get i guess have that that certified organic stamp and so we we work with those farmers and and understand what they're doing on their farm but about at the moment about 80 percent of our farmers are are certified organic
0: so if i was to go online what day of the week do i go online to put my order in
2: (coughs) so orders and this timing now (laughs) orders close at at 8 a.m on on tuesday morning so um, once you order by 8am by on Tuesday, then you'll get your box delivered out on, on Thursday or Friday, depending on where you live. Um, so we, we offer a, a Thursday delivery to everyone in Dublin, Kildare, Meath, Wicklow, Louth, and then a Friday delivery to those areas plus nationwide the rest of the country.
0: And how is it delivered in terms of packaging and the actual person delivering it?
2: So we, we have our local logistics partners, which, which do the Dublin Coder, Meath, Wicklow Louth, and then the remainder is managed by, by DPD. And so you get your box, it'll have your, your fresh produce in it. It'll have your, a little bit of void fill packaging. And you'll get in it two recipe cards, sorry, three recipe cards. um, And you'll get what we call our newsletter, which tells you what's in the box that week, which farmer came from, how that produce was grown and, and a little story highlighting something in in the box for that week. Um, So last week we had green garlic, or some people call it wet garlic. Um, So we told a little story about how that's grown, what it is, how to eat it, what what dishes to use it in, etc.,
0: so do you get to choose what's in the box or is there like a small, medium, large box and you just pick one of those and it's kind of potluck, whatever's in season, whatever's available and it, you know, it's a nice surprise to have it.
2: Yeah, like it's not necessarily potluck because you can see what's coming, but the, the way our model works is, is our farmers dictate what's in the box. So um, each week we, we communicate with our farmers, we ask them what is ready to come out of their fields that week. Um, they will then tell us, and then we will populate the box contents based on that. Um, so when you go onto our website, you can see what's in in the box. We at the moment we offer two, bo- excuse me, we offer two boxes: a farmer box and a harvest box. So the farmer box is a twenty five euro box, and um, kind of for households with two or three people or a couple with young kids. Um, and then we offer a harvest box, which is a forty euro box, which is for We we do find couples on it who might be vegetarian or vegan and will be eating a lot of vegetables, but the vast majority of people will will be families. Um, But yeah, you you jump on the website, you can see exactly what's coming in the box that week and which farm it's coming from, um, and then play shorter.
0: And tell me now more about the farms, because they're kind of all over a certain part of Ireland. And first of all, how did you source, how did you identify and source your farmers?
2: um strangely enough Instagram was like sending Instagram messages I I found that all these farms had an Instagram or a Facebook page but not all of them had a a website or at least a website with with with, like with up-to-date contact information so the vast majority of the farms that we're working with today are still I sent them an Instagram message they responded with their contact number and I, I gave them a call um and that's how we we onboarded our first five or six farmers um and then we kind of like built i guess a a database of of farmers that that we work with on a weekly basis and then we also have other farmers that we'll, we'll work with on on an ad hoc basis so if we're short on some produce we might go out send a message out to them and ask them what they have available or vice versa they'll get get in touch with us and say hey i have excess scallions this week would you like to take them because a lot of a lot of the farmers we work with, they, they have other markets as well. Like if they they may still go to a local farmers market, or they still have may have a local box scheme, and we're absolutely fine with that. We our our model is we want to get this produce to the ninety eight or ninety nine percent of people who can't make it to a farmers market or don't live within the delivery radius of of a local farm, and um, so. Yeah, so so sometimes farms will will have excess produce that, that wasn't able to be sold in their existing markets, and then they'll they'll come to us.
0: And have you had the opportunity to go and visit all these farms in person?
2: Oh yeah, and that, for the first for the first about three four months, I was still doing the pickups as well. So I was I was driving to Larkins Hill and Tipperary, or driving to Crotton Organic over in in um, in Leitrim. Um, and then we, we still make a point of, of visiting them at least once a quarter just to get down. We take some photos. We do a farm walk with them. And that's the that's the piece that I love. Right. That's kind of why I, I didn't start Harvest Data sit in front of a computer. I started it so that I could interact with farmers and spend time on, on farms. So that's still one of my my favorite
0: parts. And you said there about how social media has been a huge help to you in identifying the farmers. I would imagine it's also been very important in in securing customers.
2: Yeah, like that, that, that's like social media and word of mouth. There are two um, kind of our, our two key acquisition channels. Um, and it's great because we can like we we know that certain parts of the country may not have access to farms so we can target them with their with, with ads or or find ways to to market to them but yeah it's 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 very important and especially when you're when you're operating an online business like it's you need to just drive drive traffic to your website and social media is the way to do it
0: are you surprised at how successful it's been has it exceeded your expectations
2: yeah definitely I I think I, I said this to someone the other day but I think it's a mixture of me knowing what I'm doing and a mixture of like the right timing. I think when when we started this people were in were suddenly thinking more and more about about where their food was coming from because they started to see empty shelves with covid and then also with brexit the same thing was happening. So um I think covid has fast-forwarded the inevitable. I think people were always going to like we suddenly we lived in this crazy globalized world and it was, it was always going to start being more localized and um, but I think COVID has fast forwarded that but it's definitely exceeded my expectations and the we did a, our customer survey recently and the number one reason that people bought from us was to support Irish farmers and I was thinking it was going to be convenience or quality of produce but like people want to support local and people want to support Irish farmers and I think that's that's kind of we've we've kind of hit the sweet
0: spot there. And it is a case of use it or lose it. If we if we don't support those local growers, well, then if the demand isn't there, they can't they can't keep it going. So um it's in everybody's interests to exactly. ensure that that's not the case. If we talk about the future, then what is the future in your vision for Harvest Day? Where do you see the business going?
2: Like I think we've only scratched the surface. of 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 this right and like for me it's getting getting our boxes into more and more households and and also making people aware that this service is available and that they can support local Irish farms from their couch with three clicks of a button placing an order so it's that and then it's also getting more and more local like we'd love to get to a point where depending on where you live you're, there's a pool of of 10 farms who who supply that box and if you live in another part of the country then the farms within a certain radius of you will supply your box And um, like for us, local is Irish and I think for now that's that's good enough because it's it's still better than than buying imported produce that you you don't know where it came from but we'd we'd love to just get more and more local.
0: Well, listen, it's been great to hear all about your story today. I- we wish you continued success with it and if anybody listening is interested in finding out more where's the best place for them to go
2: yeah the best place is is our website so we're www.harvestday.ie and then we're at harvestday.ie on on facebook and instagram and so we're we're now delivering nationwide so yeah we'd love for for as many people as possible to to give us
0: a go fantastic thanks fergus no worries thanks so much you're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan, and just before the break, Fergus Halpin from Harvest Day, a nationwide home delivery vegetable box scheme, told us all about his business, which he launched last year in the middle of lockdown and Fergus highlighted how he's working closely with small scale organic and pesticide free farmers and his company's commitment to sustainable practices and we wish him continued success and earlier in the program food writer and events creative Ali Dunworth highlighted a pop-up dining project that she's currently involved in that makes the most of outdoor dining. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it is repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on Sharon as well as iTunes and the podcast app and that's all we have time for tonight. Thank you so much for your company for tuning in and for listening and of course to all of my guests Ali Dunworth